Hi and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly program about finance, money and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network around Australia. I'm your host, Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. And today we're doing a special show as a result of the IFPA conference down in Melbourne on the 21st of April. I'm going to be doing summation of all the guest speakers that came along that day, uh, some clips, uh, some after uh, interviews that I've done in the course of actually being there at the behest of uh, the Institute of Financial Professionals Australia, the old Tax and Super Australia or the Taxpayers Association. And so what I'll be doing is going through all the speakers uh, that presented on the day and there's some fascinating subjects. Someone's a little dry, but when you've got a, a room filled with tax agents and accountants from around the country coming to a national conference, uh, you've got to expect quite a range of different views and opinions. And the first one we're going to kick off with is Neville Berthesil, who's been on the show before, and he's going to be talking about his subject area of expertise in the tax arena. And welcome Neville Berthesil to Dollars and Making Sense. This is a special IFPA show uh, radio program. So Neville, you presented earlier today. Can you give the listeners a little bit of an overview of what you were talking to the assembled masses of tax accountants and members of IFPA today? Ray, it's good to be with you again. Yeah, so today it was not so much a tax update as a few musings I had about some tax issues that had come up in right. the last 12 months. Started off with course with section 100A, which has been in the news, and unless you lived under a rock, you must know about section. And we actually did a show about 100A as well. We did do a show about 100A, so as I, th- I think it's been done to death. But basically, <laughs> what I wanted to emphasise today was that the full federal court has undone any good that came out of a single justice decision, and therefore, where do we sit now? While well, you're left with, you don't have to have a reimbursement if you haven't got a reimbursement agreement. Section 100A doesn't apply, but the definition of an agreement in the Act is so wide you could drive a truck through it. Mm. So if you think you haven't got one, fantastic, but just make sure you document the hell out of that and be very secure in your position because you're probably challenged. The next thing is you've got the ATO guidance, and even though, yes, it's just the Commissioner's opinion, it is the current prevailing opinion and you don't follow it at your peril, and we've got the full federal court decision in B blood coming, but unfortunately that was a far more complex arrangement, so is it really gonna add any value to the argument? And I guess when you've got a room full of tax accountants and, uh, and a small gathering of financial professionals along the way, uh, did you find that you got a lot of good questions from the audience today? Unfortunately, we didn't have a great deal of time for questions this morning. Oh, what a pity. We have collected a lot of questions, and over the next week or so, we'll go through those and disseminate some answers. Yes, and, and for the listeners, if you're wondering why Ray wasn't there listening to the questions, is because Ray had his flight cancelled and was in, in a bit later, so I didn't get a chance to see Neville today. Neville, always a pleasure to have you back on the program, and I look forward to the next time we have a chance to chat. Thanks for being on Dollars and Making Sense. Thanks, Ray. All the best. So after we had IFPA do their thing with Natasha Panner just talking about super, Nethel Berthsell talking about tax, and Phil Osborne talking about uh, technical matters with regards to uh, compliance and the like, we were then really, uh, I guess, really pleased to have Karen Payne, who is the Inspector General of Taxation and the Taxation Ombudsman. Now, did you know that we had a Taxation Ombudsman? Turns out Karen didn't know either. And so what I've done here is I've got some excerpts of Karen's presentation. Uh, 
and one about fairness and integrity in the tax system. Really quite fascinating and a great illumination of what we have in process in the Tax Act and also dealing with the Taxation Department. Over to Karen. Everyone, and thank you, IFBA, for the invitation. So I am going to give you an update on the activities of the my agency, the Inspector General of Taxation and Taxation Ombudsman. It's a bit of a mouthful. I normally start with a poll. I don't think we've set this up for a poll, so I'm just going to ask you to do this poll in your head. Um, so the first question I normally ask is, is independent assurance and investigation of taxation complaints and disputes important to uphold the integrity of the tax system? Yes, no don't know. I'm a lawyer. What do you mean by integrity? And so... And so in the interest of time, what I'm doing here is, I guess, abridging some of Karen's presentation. But uh, her main point there comes back to the fact that many people will make complaints about the tax office, but never actually record it formally. And so her advice is, if you make a complaint to the tax office, make sure you have a number registered and then you've got somewhere to go. Anyway, she carries on. I've found, when, since I've come into the role, is like something like 70% of the complaints that are coming to us, the taxpayer says, I've got a complaint, and yeah, I've told the tax office about the complaint, but the tax office tells us they don't have a record of the complaint. So it's kind of got lost in discussions and process in the tax system. It's important if you're registering a complaint with the tax office that you get a number, their complaint reference number. And also the outcomes that we're achieving, the tier one outcomes, where we basically get the tax office to change their mind or, you know, substantively do something different, that's also increasing. The other observation I want to share with you is superannuation is disproportionately represented in our complaints. Um, if you hadn't already gathered, is I'm interested in having a tax administration system that results in fair outcomes, that produces fair decision-making by the administrator. And one of the things that we are looking at in the context of our review of the general powers of administration, if you think back to New Zealand, the example that I gave at the start of my presentation is, do we need a better framework to help guide those who are making administrative decisions around when they do and don't have power to make administrative decisions that result in fair outcomes. And in my view, if you hadn't already gathered, we do. I think we need to revisit the general powers of administration. We firstly need to revisit it and say, well, is it a duty or is it a power? And assuming it is a power, then we probably need to say, well, what kind of power is it? What power does it give the commissioner and the tax officials to make decisions when they're administering the system to produce fair outcomes? I think it would be fair to say, ladies and gentlemen, that Karen's uh, presentation was incredibly well received, that you've got somebody that's got a long history in taxation and being the ombudsman now, really saw the process as being one of equity and fairness, and her uh, role and mission in life is to ensure that that fairness is delivered at all possible times. And so it was an incredibly well-received presentation. Now, move on to the next one, which was all about business, 
business succession and exit planning for you and your clients. This was done by Vicky Massey, who's a CPA and a partner at Succession Plus. Personally, I found this incredibly fascinating. And so for all of you listeners out there that have your own business or particularly those in the rural areas with farms, this was an incredibly well worth present, uh, well worth listening to presentation. So I'm now going to cut over to some excerpts from uh, Vicky's presentation. Because at the end of the day, often your business is going to be one of, if not the biggest asset that you, that you have and potentially might be able to sell. So it's understanding how that all works together and making that congruent. Why do we need to look at this? Well, because we've got an ageing demographic. So there is a significant number, and if you're in financial services or financial advice, you'll know this, there are a significant number of Australians retiring every year. And many of those will have a business asset to be able to have to deal with and address. The sad thing is, is that many or most, so over 50% of exits are involuntary. So they're because of death, disability, partnership disputes. That's a big one. So we're often called in to resolve those sort of issues. Um, divorce, liquidation. So if you think about that, that's quite a significant number of businesses that exit involuntarily and don't have an involuntary plan in place either. So this is a real thing, involuntary exit. So how do you address it? What I'm going to take you through over the next um, 30 or so minutes is sort of how we address it. In We have a 21-step plan or process, but the key to that plan or process is really five phases, and that's what I'm going to take you through, the five stages of succession, because you may not do all the 21 steps, and that's quite reasonable. And so Vicky goes on to explain the 21-step process, and again, in the interest of time, those five phases that she talks about is identifying the value. So again, many business owners don't know how to do that well. Then phase two is to protect that value between now and when they're going to retire or hand over the keys to their business to someone else. Stage three then is to maximize that value. In other words, extract the most possible uh, dollar value and also uh, potentially a whole range of intangibles that uh, are considered there as well. Uh, then extracting that value, in other words, selling uh, down your equity or your business, uh, potentially to family or to a newcomer. And then what do you do afterwards? Stage five, you know, what do you do to manage the value that you actually are able to extract from your business? And that also comes down to the mind game, because a lot of people suffer quite significantly when they've been running their own show for many, many years, and then all of a sudden don't have it any longer. And I guess Vicky's uh, I guess presentation really struck a chord with many of the people in the audience because many of the tax agents that we, I guess, service and look at from the perspective of the, the IFPA organisation, these are small business owners and they are running their own show. And so when it all finishes and they've retired, many of them don't know exactly what they're going to do. And so Vicky also addresses that. I found this particular presentation really quite uh, quite sensational. So for those of you that are interested, please go to the IFPA site and look up the conference and see if you can find this particular 
this particular presentation. I found it quite invaluable for those of you out there that are owning businesses and are potentially looking at succession planning. And Vicky's big takeaway was don't leave it to six or nine or 12 months before you finish. She said, start 10 years. Yes, that's right. 10 years before you're thinking of leaving. So they were really, really sanguine points to ponder and consider. It's time now for a short break. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and locally on Radio Northern Beaches. We're going to take a short break and be back in just a moment. Hi, and thank you for listening to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly radio program about finance, money and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally on the Community Radio Network around Australia. The views, comments and opinions aired during our program should not be construed or viewed as financial advice. Any commentary is general advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether the advice is suitable for you and your personal circumstances. If in doubt, you should contact an authorised licensed financial planner. We welcome questions and feedback and you can get in touch with us via our blog, social media channels or email. Please search for Dollars and Making Sense in your favourite podcast platform or check out our blog at otgcapital.com.au forward slash blog. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Trevison, your host here on the Community Radio Network and Radio Northern Beaches. We are doing a special show from the Institute of Financial Professionals uh, Conference that I attended back in April. And coming up was probably one of the sessions that I think had the most questions than anybody else in the entire day. And it was about cryptocurrency. And I'm going to welcome now to the microphone uh, Ben Simpson from The Collective Shift. And you'll have a bit of a chuckle on this one as well. Over to Ben. And welcome to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm here with Ben Simpson from Collective Shift. Uh, I know my listeners will enjoy that. Same with my um, my uh, audio editor. Um, so, crypto research. Now, crypto is something, Ben, that we've spoken a lot about on Dollars and Making Sense. And I will, uh, in the interest of transparency, put forward right now, I'm a cynic. Yeah, okay, but I do understand the tech yep. quite a lot. Yep. So, can you give the listeners a bit of an overview of what you were talking to the IFPA audience today about? Thanks very much, very much for having me, mate, first of all. I also want to say that to, to the extent of cryptocurrency, a lot of it is actually crap. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> right? so I don't want people to be listening on, on, on the show thinking I'm just going to come out here and you know sell, sell it all because the reality is like a lot of it isn't great, right? And, and our company, Collective Shift, is a research company, right? So we earn money from in, um, members paying us for information. We don't get paid to promote cryptocurrencies. We don't get paid... If people are buying, selling, we don't sell crypto. It's a purely independent research provider. Right? Okay, that's a good thing to so, acknowledge yeah, straight just up. Straight up, right? So people think you're making money. Like that's how we make money, right? Uh, so yeah, crypto is a. We start with Bitcoin, right? There's 13,000 different cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is the biggest, and for me, the one I'm most excited about. It's trying to disrupt the monetary system. The monetary system is the one we live in right now, and the biggest pain point that people are feeling right now is cost of living, right? Inflation. We're getting the rise of inflation due to what's happened in the last few years with the US government printing more money into the economy to, to stimulate what was going on. Quantitative easing, Quantitative I think, QE, easing is the, yes. Yeah, that's QE. And what happened at a really simple level is that when there's more money in the, in the, in the system, it, it pushes prices up, right? Because there's more money circulating around, people demand more money, there's more goods and services, it all goes up. 
right? And that's been happening a lot. Bitcoin does the opposite. It's non-inflationary. There's only a limited supply of Bitcoin. Only 21 million Bitcoin will ever be created. So there's only it's a it's a deflationary mechanism, right? So what happens is that people um, within Bitcoin, it's running off software and code. It's written into the code that was launched 13 years ago when Bitcoin was created. And the reason why people are shifting their money into Bitcoin is because they know that that supply will never be increased. It's a monetary system that is deflationary, not inflationary. So with the Australian dollar, the US dollar, these are all inflationary currencies, right? The government and central banks can print more and more money, which reduces the purchasing power, where Bitcoin does the opposite. And that's why Bitcoin is one of the leading um, assets, like it's compounding, I think, at 80 to 100% year on year. If you held Bitcoin from 10 years ago to now, you'd be beating every single hedge fund on the planet. But let me ask you the simple question then, that if there is a limited supply of only 21 million Bitcoins mm -hmm. and we have halving, so yep. we're increasing the supply by yep. effectively doing the same thing that a, a, a Cisco company used yep. to do when I was with them, yep. uh, they used to split their stock, yep. so we're splitting stock. Yep. Why do people still mine yep. and chew enormous amounts of electricity and affect the environment by yep. trying to mine crypto coins? Yeah, so there's a research actually done on Bitcoin mining and actually um, if you look really into the amount of energy Bitcoin miners use versus, you know, everyday goods and services, um, uh, clothes dryers actually use more energy than Bitcoin does, right? So if we're looking at Bitcoin as, I think it uses around 1% of the global electricity, well, I think we also need to be talking about, well, what about the other 99% of goods and services that chew up electricity? True. Uh, I guess from the perspective, though, that when we're looking at uh, adding value to an economy and the like, there's still a lot of sceptics, me included. So I, I think from the perspective of dollars and making sense and this being a, a program of education, your presentation today to a, a room filled with tax accountants and uh, when uh, previously you know we had people standing up and we've got a lot of old and bolds yeah. and when I think of myself as being a dinosaur I felt like a young and in amongst <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, a bunch of even older dinosaurs yeah. do you think that the message gets across or do you think that there's still a very healthy level of cynicism that it's really going to confine I think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to the younger generations and that people my age and older mm. are never really going to get it? Yeah, there's definitely a very healthy level of cynicism, you know. Uh, and, and I think, like like yourself, Ray, like there's, there's people that are open to it, right? The reality is, like, just like social media or, or you know, PlayStation games and mobile games and, like, all this new technology, you know, generally is picked up quicker by the younger generation. Uh, and, and, and Bitcoin's similar. But in saying that, it took me six months to get my head around Bitcoin, right? So if me coming out on stage today for 30 minutes talking to a crowd full of people with no context of their background or their interests or what that is. And you've got a ton load more questions, I might add, from the audience than any other speaker today yeah, yeah. because you're getting flooded with questions that, I guess, with previous speakers, they're sitting there going, any questions? And there were crickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in, with your session, the yeah. hands were up and yeah. there were a lot of people, I think, very curious. And so I think one of the things, and we're, we're going to be short of time today because of the fact that I'm doing a bit of a condensed show sure. because it's a, 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 an IFPA show day really more than anything else. I'd like to get you back on the show at another time when you're potentially back from the US because I think this is a subject that demands a lot more, uh, I think, intelligent discourse. And I'm going to put a challenge to myself as well, is to come back to you with maybe a good list of questions that let's thrash out, maybe over a theme and, and a number of different programs because the thirst for knowledge in this space, good 
accredited knowledge, I think is long, long overdue. Okay, so I, I think, look, I'm, I'm filled with so many questions today that I'd rather not try and, and tax them because, you know, the, the audience will hear all this background noise. We're in a, a conference area where, in, unfortunately, they're actually packing up. The, the scones <laughs> the, and the, the, the scones and the coffee and everything's <laughs> being packed away. But look, Ben, thanks so kindly for your time with me, albeit short today. Yeah. I'd love to have you back on the show at, at another to. time. And I, I think there's a theme. I'm going to write to you and, and you know, let's talk about all the different, you know, how many did you say, 13,000 coins? Yeah, it's more that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, when I, I started tracking Bitcoin on my show four years ago, and yeah. at that time there were 2,000. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. Dogecoin and all yeah, the others yeah, that have come yeah. along, and you know, and NFTs, and I, there's so many aspects of this space, yeah. and uh, and DeFi that there's really a lot to talk about. And I think one of the things I want to see myself as possibly being is a conduit between your age and my age and older because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get the technology yeah. but I think there's a lot more that we need to bridge I love it mate let's do it thank you so kindly for your time Thanks today for having me, bro. cheers man cheers and so the next speaker Belinda Aisbert who is a director of Supersphere they are auditors and so much of what she was talking about has to do with self-managed super funds and the audits therewith here's Belinda well thanks for having me I've been asked to talk about a couple of things that are problematic for SMSFs and of course if it's problematic for the SMSF it's problematic for the SMSF auditor. So we're looking at asset valuation issues and some risks to manage. There's lots of those and I will get to them obviously in just a minute. Investment strategy issues, we're finding that they're more and more difficult documents to comply with, to manage. We're just getting people that are not even sure what they're supposed to say anymore. We can have a, a bit of a conversation about what your strategy could say versus what it currently says and it doesn't need to be you know 15 pages long and an absolute bible on how you're going to manage your investments for your smsf it can be kept quite simple which makes uh, the auditing of that document a whole lot easier and quicker uh, i've got a topic there the gnarly risks <clears throat> so the non-arm's length income issues that we're coming across as part of our audit process uh, it has a pretty significant tax impact for the SMSF. So it is a concern for us as auditors. We've got to sign off on the financial statements being fairly stated. And if the tax is inaccurate and when you've got gnarly, it's, it's quite often a significant and therefore material impact that we need to be looking at. And then I was also asked to look at the COVID impact and audit considerations. There's not too many of those, but there's a couple that we can talk about. The perils of key person insurance. The word perils, it sort of conjures up this, oh my God, what's going on kind of thing. And it's one of those that you look at it and you think, well, yeah, look, there's probably not a lot of peril in relation to this, because let's face it, it's just a bit of insurance. We put a bit of insurance on people. She'll be right. Everything's OK. No problem. Unfortunately, it's not quite that simple. And there are some things we do need to think about. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I've found with the different practices I've dealt with over the years and the work that I've done in financial planning education is that there can be a lot of different thoughts and attitudes and beliefs about everything to do with planning. 
There is no doubt about it. And every aspect of planning. So what I'd like to talk through with this presentation is really just covering off some of the things that I've found over the years in talking to people in practice in relation to key person, what they're doing with those arrangements. Um, there might be things that you look at and say, yeah, look, oh, I knew that, that's fine, no problem. That's great. I have absolutely no doubt with the calibre of people in the room that most of you will be across a lot of what's there. What I like to get at with these presentations is just to put some ideas out there, perhaps challenge what it is that you are actually doing or what you're actually thinking in relation to it. And if at the end of that uh, you say, no, nope, I'm pretty right with what I'm doing, fantastic. Welcome, Philippa Hunt, to Dollars and Making Sense, a special edition. We're here at the IFPA show here in Melbourne. Now, you're going to be presenting a bit later on this afternoon. Now, for the listeners, this is going to be a special broadcast for Dollars and Making Sense. Can you give the listeners just a very, very quick overview of what you're going to be talking about? Mental health and mental health in the industry and the mental health that we're dealing with is strategies about stress and what it does to your body and the physical, mental and emotional health and then moving across into your clients when they turn up in front of you in a very distressed state. How do you cope with your own stress when you're trying to help other people, which is typical of our profession? So, interestingly, um, you've been on the show before many, many times, and we're looking forward to welcoming you back to the show soon. Now, we've talked about this quite a lot in the past, but uh, I guess one of the things is that you know, you're going to be in front of a room of predominantly tax agents. Are they facing similar kind of issues that the financial planning industry have had in, in the past sort of you know, three, five years, etc.? Pandemic notwithstanding. <laughs> I guess. Um, everyone's mental health has been affected in one form or another. And so what we're looking at is the fact that they could end up seeing people who have been very distressed by the pandemic and what's happened to them. They could have lost their businesses. They could have had deaths in the family. Um, and so the mental health is a theme that's running through Australian society. At the same time, a lot of their clients will have been facing mortgage stress that wasn't faced 15 months ago with the mm -hmm. interest rate hikes, wondering how to manage. Um, so also tax practitioners are human beings and they all have had loss in their own life. And how you deal with loss and grief is part of what I'm talking about. So when you have the lived experience and you're a bit of an old salt in your industry, then you'll understand when someone's sitting in front of you a little of what they're going through from a personal level anyway. And that comes with life experience. So what I'm looking at is how do you take care of your own stress when somebody is so distressed in front of you? How do you, how do you manage your own and theirs, irrespective of the content of what you're talking about? Wonderful. So, look, I'm, I know the uh, the audience are going to be looking forward to that. Certainly the listeners of Dollars and Making Sense, we're looking forward to you coming back on the show with uh, another topic in the near future. Philippa Hunt, thanks so kindly for joining us here very quickly at the booth here at Dollars and Making Sense. Thank you, Ray. It's a pleasure. And that's it for this week's show. Uh, you'll obviously note that given the depth of uh, content and complexity of many of the issues that were discussed at the conference, we couldn't squeeze it all into a, uh, a half-hour show. But look, come to our blog, check out their links, 
Uh, email me, contact me if you're looking for any of these presentations. I know that the people that have written them would be more than pleased for you to have a look at them uh, in your own time. Thanks again for listening to the show on Community Radio Network and broadcast locally on Radio Northern Beaches. It's always a pleasure to have your company here on Dollars and Making Sense. And until next week, it's adios. Adios.